Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Hi, friend, and welcome back. It's so good to have you here today. Isn't it a beautiful thing that God is pleased to grow us in Him, and He's provided everything that's needed for our sanctification? My dear friend, Glenna Marshall, is joining me today on the podcast to talk about her book, Everyday Faithfulness, The Beauty of Ordinary Perseverance in a Demanding World. Glenna shares with us today about how we should think of faithfulness and the value of taking the long view of God's work in us. It's easy to feel like faithfulness is impossible when we're facing seasons of dryness or suffering or difficulty, but Glenna talks with us about the kinds of excuses we make for unfaithfulness and the ways that scripture meets us to answer these excuses. We'll jump into my conversation with Glenna in just a second, but I want to first say thank you to our sponsors and our Patreon donors for helping keep the podcast going. You've been a wonderful gift, and we praise God for the opportunity to link arms with you and share these episodes of encouragement every week with our listeners. Now let's get started with my conversation with Glenna Marshall. I am super happy to have you back here, Glenna. Hi, friend. Welcome back to the Women Encouraged podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be asked back. Oh, really? That's that's good to know. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) So, um, how about you introduce yourself? Because we're friends and all that, but it's better if you tell people what you're all about. Share what life is like for you these days in the middle of COVID. Yeah, I can do that. so I am married to my husband, William, coming up on 17 years this summer, and he is a pastor, or he's one of my pastors, actually, and we live in a small town down in the southeastern corner of Missouri, and it is farmland as far as the eye can see once you get outside of the city limits, and so we've been here for 15 years doing church ministry. We have two boys. They are almost 12 and almost five. And life now in the middle of being sheltered at home, I think we're something at this point, like 50 days, something like that. And I mean, it's, it's been challenging. Um, I feel bad for my kids just because they haven't seen any other children in almost two months. And so when I start to feel frustrated that I haven't seen anyone <laughs> in two months, I consider that they're doing pretty well, all things considered. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we're trying to actually finish up virtual schooling with our oldest and then trying to keep the little one from burning the house to the ground in the meantime. So that's a worthy goal. It is a worthy goal and it's not always easy. He's he's really um we call him danger baby. So yeah. He, yeah, he's a lot of fun, but he is high energy. And so being cooped up has been a little tough on him and a little tough on us. But um, yeah, there are other parts of being at home that have been great. We've had a beautiful spring here in Missouri. So we have done a lot of bike rides and walks through the neighborhood and lots of time in the backyard and you know, doing s'mores over the fire pit, just making some good memories. So I, I'm really thankful for that part of it. Um, but yeah, we're 
all working from home and trying to figure out how to do that. They have started to lift restrictions here in Missouri. So um, things are slowly changing, but we say that with, you know, a little trepidation. Yeah, I was going to say that's everybody's kind of holding our breath to find out, well, what is this really going to look like? What mm-hmm. is normal life going to be like again? Yeah, we've been um, recording services in our living room. You know, my husband and I are doing music and then every other week he preaches. So I'm just trying to keep my kids quiet and throw snacks on them and stuff so he can right. preach into a camera. And so we're trying to transition into what is like the first phase of meeting together look like. And yeah, it's just, it's hard to know. It's hard to know what's yeah. wise, and yet we all really miss each other at church. Yeah, yeah, a good absolutely. Thing. It is. It really is. It's good that I feel like. Well, I was already. Well, you know, I was already struggling with going to church because of having a head injury back in November, mm-hmm. and so I've been to church like maybe two or three times since my accident in November, um, before COVID hit. Yeah, and so I think this is just increased my hunger for God's people all the more, which is a good thing. And if anybody feels this half as much as I do, they're probably feeling the pain of longing for it too. So yeah. so you have you have your second book in what, a year and a half out in June. This is an incredible feat. Yeah. The first book came out in August, The Promises of Presence. And so the next one is Everyday Faithfulness. And I'm excited because I just got a an email today that they're shipping my book to me. So, That's so exciting. Yeah, I can't wait to hold it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. So so it happens with the manuscript. You work on it and work on it and work on it. And then like almost a year goes by and you forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, Tell me though, what is this book about? What is the inspiration for everyday faithfulness? Um, How are you hoping the Lord is going to use this book? Being a pastor's wife and really growing up in the church and being raised with Christian parents and having Christian grandparents, I feel like I've had a real upfront seat to what godly living looks like and what it doesn't look like. I feel like I've seen all different kinds of people over the years sit in the pews at church, either the church I grew up at or the church where we serve now. And Mm -hmm. um, you could always tell the difference between the people who nominally belong to Christ and the ones who absolutely 100% body and soul belong to Jesus. And their lives were either marked by faithfulness or not marked by faithfulness. And so I feel, you know, as a, as a pastor's wife, specifically knowing a lot about people, just having the advantage of knowing people's struggles and all the hard things that have gone on in their lives or the areas of sin where they really struggle. Um, If you're a pastor's wife, you are often, whether you really want to or not, you're the listening ear (laughs) to everyone in a lot of Mm -hmm. confessional situations. And so I I found myself over and over and over again, trying to encourage church members who were struggling to go to the scriptures, to make sure that they were seeking the Lord in prayer, to make sure that they were as active as they could be at church, all you know the things to help them grow in godliness. And the ones who followed through with that, you would see growth over time. I mean, there are some people that I'm still in church with today, and I think back of you know who we were 10, 15 years ago, and I see so much you know blossoming and spiritual growth in their lives. And I know that they invested in the relationship with Christ and the Lord was pleased to grow so much fruit in them. And then there are people that I've known for almost two decades who just really refuse to nourish their souls 
with the truth of scripture and it shows mm-hmm. and yeah. either they, I mean, I don't want to like say this in a harsh or judgmental or any kind of all knowing way. Cause obviously I don't know, but you know, you, you can tell a tree by its fruit and right. you either have really stunted, you know, anemic fruit or there are, there is no fruit. And so, um, after just observing and having my own struggles with, I wish I were farther along than I am in my faith and having my own years in the past where I refuse to nourish my soul with the truth of scripture and prayer. Um, I, I was just able to see that the people who walked the most closely with Jesus were the ones who really invested in their faithfulness to him. And mm-hmm. that mostly looks like reading the Bible as often as possible, loving the Lord through prayer and loving his church and just three yeah. simple things. And yet those things are just vitally important to the Christian's growth. And so um, there was one particular lady in my church who is now with the Lord. Her name was Leota, and she uh, was in her 80s when I first came to our church. And I just, she was lonely. She was a widow, and I got to know her and spent some time with her. And over the years, just watched this lady who was very much just a regular person. You know, she didn't have some big flashy job before her retirement. She um, would never be well known or famous. She didn't own, own a computer. She didn't write or anything like that. She was just this lady who had a little garden in her backyard and she had a lot of physical problems, debilitating arthritis. And yet I've never seen a more faithful Christian. She was at church every Sunday and she studied her Bible in her recliner every night until midnight. And she'd come wow. up. Yeah, she it, she couldn't sleep because she had so much back pain. And she would just sit and read her Bible in her recliner. And then she'd say after every sermon on Sundays, she'd leave. And my husband and I would tell her goodbye. And she'd always say, I just have so much to learn. Oh, so much to learn. And, you know, this is a woman who's 80, 85, 90. And she died at 96. And I just remember thinking, I know what she heard when she saw Jesus for the first time. Just Mm. well done, you know, well done. And she just loved the Lord so wholeheartedly and just had simple commitments to him. And I really think that that made a huge impact, not on just her relationship with Christ, but on my own. And so um, I wanted to write a book that tried to encapsulate what simple faithfulness to Jesus looks like and how that transforms our life over a really long period of time. Because she didn't start reading her Bible at age, you know, 85. She had invested years before that and, and lots of years of faithfulness culminated in this, you know, really strong testimony of the goodness of God in her life and how much Jesus loved her and how much she loved him. And I just wanted to try to capture that in a book. What does it look like for the everyday Christian to follow Jesus in faithfulness for their whole life? I love that. And I love the book so much. I think it's one of those must read kind of things where I just have a a few that I I know I'll be handing out to people. And this is one of them. It's a, it's a real blessing to my life and encouragement to me. Um, but I know that it's, it's kind of something that helps a Christian in any stage that they're at where in any point in their Christian walk, you don't have to be a longtime Christian to pick up this book and understand that faithfulness will, will benefit you and, and learning and learn to grow in it. One of the things that you 
talk about the very beginning of the book, and you mentioned it already, just living in the middle of farmland. Can you explain what it means to think like a farmer in terms of our faithfulness and just help us to understand how the, how did that shape your your understanding of faithfulness? So I'm really referring to a passage in James 5, where James is closing out his sort of wisdom epistle. Not 100% sure what genre James is, but he's right. closing out and he's telling the believers that he's addressing you know, to be patient and wait until the coming of the Lord. And he says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And then he goes on and talks about, um, you know, avoiding sin and then expecting suffering as you wait for Jesus's return. But in, as I started to think about farming, and I knew nothing about farming until I moved here, and mm. but I got to observe a lot of farming. And um, what I what's so interesting about farming, I think, is that you work really hard for your crops. <laughs> and you have different yeah. different times of year, different seasons have different uh, kinds of work, but you're always, you know, investing and getting ready for the plowing and then the planting and then the irrigation and then the waiting, the waiting, the waiting, the waiting for the harvest. And James is talking about being patient like the farmer, but the farmer doesn't just sit there and do nothing. He would never have a crop if he just sat there looking around for something to grow. He had to plant the field. He had, well, he had to plow it first. He had to plant it. He had to tend it. And then he had to wait because he can't make a crop grow. Only God brings growth. And I've watched that. Um, when we first came to our church and we're in this rural area. We were at a, a Wednesday night prayer meeting um, and we were just having one of the services where you, everybody shares with their prayer requests. And we were having a, a really dry summer. It was very hot that summer and very little rain. And one of the prayer requests was from one of the local farmers who was a member of our church at the time. And he was like, we just, you know, we need rain. We need rain. And so someone stood up and prayed and they thanked the Lord for his provision and for how much he loves us. And then he asked for rain. And I just, I was so struck by the simplicity of that because they weren't anxious. They knew that, you know, either it would rain or it wouldn't. It was totally out of their hands, but they were going to do the work while they waited. And I just think there's a really great picture of investing in our relationship with Christ as we wait, you know, either for his return or for the day we are with him to do the work, to invest in our sanctification, but also knowing that we do this because God is pleased to grow us. We can't make the growth. We receive the rain and we receive the sunlight, but we do have to plow the fields and plant the seeds of scripture in our heart. And um, so I, I look around at the fields every year and I think, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into this, but there's also a lot of, dependent, of dependency on God to provide. And I just think that's such a great picture of the Christian life. I, that's so helpful. And I I, we live in a kind of a rural area as well, and um, it really does make you think deeply about the work that goes in, but how dependent you are on God. And so I love that you emphasize this quite a lot and throughout the book. Um, help us understand, though, how should Christians think of faithfulness and, and really about the importance of taking the long view? How does taking the long view impact the way that we look at faithfulness for our everyday lives? I used to think that someday I would wake up and sort of 
be a more faithful Christian just because of the passing of time, because physically I would be older and more mature and wiser. And I did not hold to like regular Bible reading or times of intercession for others or confession with the Lord. I just wasn't invested in spiritual disciplines very much. It's probably in my, my early twenties. And I just thought, you know, okay, when I'm older, this is where I'll, I'll really show up for my right. relationship yeah. with the Lord. I'll get there. Just not right now. Like I'm, I'm too busy with work. And then it was, I'm too busy with kids. I'm so tired. And then it was, you know, a million different reasons. I, it was never just, I mean, the problem was I, I had too many reasons that were excuses, mm-hmm. you know, and I just kept, it was really ridiculous to think that if I wasn't going to be faithful that day to just magically wake up and be faithful to Jesus 10 years later, just because you grow in age doesn't mean you grow in spiritual maturity. Not always. If you're not investing in your spiritual growth. I mean, the Lord is sovereign and wise and kind. And I think he grows us in different ways at whatever rate that he deems is good and right and necessary. Um, But I think it is foolish to think I'm going to be more faithful to Jesus in a few years. I just don't have time for it now. Um, Yeah. Because I think feeding our faithfulness now is what will help it to grow 10 years from now. If we're not taking part in um, you know, being part of the body of Christ now, what guarantee do we have that we will be later? If it's not a part of your life now, today, to open your Bible and hear the word of the Lord, to know how to live as a follower of Jesus, to keep holding fast to your hope in Jesus— I mean, what are the odds you're going to be doing that 10 years from now? So right. really my call in the book is if if you want to be faithful to Jesus when you're 85, you need to be faithful to Jesus today, right now. But the really good news is that the Lord has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So you can be every day faithful to the Lord right now. Like it's not something you have to put off. No matter what season of life you're in, you are equipped for this because God is faithful and he will finish the work that he has started in you. And so, um, and the thing is too, like it, it isn't a quick thing. And I think sometimes we get discouraged like, uh, oh, I've been reading my Bible for a month and I'm not any different or I'm not really getting anything out of it. But, you know, growth is slow and it takes time. And we live in a culture that we're not well suited to waiting for anything. Like, you know, everything's Mm -hmm. instant, you know, Amazon and everything on our phones, just with a swipe of the finger, we can have any answer to any question we might have. And so waiting for something, we're just not good at it. And so we want a really quick path to growth and there just isn't one. God has given us what we need, but it takes time because the work of spiritual growth and maturity happens as we read the word, as we pray, as we hear the word proclaimed with other believers, as we learn from one another. It's just a slow process, you know, but it's important that we are engaging in feeding our faithfulness now, because 10 years from now, we could be reaping a harvest that will encourage the next 10 years of perseverance and faith. Right. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things that there just is no quick path. And I think that's why a lot of people get discouraged or just don't want to commit to spiritual disciplines because it's not quick. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned already, you know, the feeling of not having enough time. Mm-hmm. And it's, I feel like it for myself, one of the things that I have struggled with is feeling like faithfulness is impossible 
whatever that looks like, um, whatever faithfulness looks like in my particular season, maybe faithfulness looks like just doing the next thing with my kids or something like that. But every, the everyday faithfulness of pursuing Christ sometimes feels for me impossible when I'm in a season of dryness or suffering or loneliness or something like that. So why are these not valid excuses? And why, <laughs> I know, like, I feel like now I know why they're not valid excuses. What what kinds of excuses do we make? You address a lot of these in the book, chapter by chapter, just some of the situations that might be actually real problems that we're facing, um, but some of them might be just sin issues in our lives. And so what are some of those excuses that we make in addition to feeling like we don't have time? And why are these actually excuses? Why are they not valid? And how does scripture meet us to help us answer those excuses? Yeah. So I think there are definitely legitimate seasons where pursuing faithfulness is more challenging. I think that is a true thing. But I also think that we are so quick to fall on excuses like, it's too hard. I don't get anything from it. Um, I'm too tired. I'm too busy. I don't have time. I think you can boil down most of those to either really two things, and this is going to sound harsh, but just stay with me, to either, (laughs) you can boil it down to either laziness, which I had to reckon with myself and still have to reckon with on a daily basis. I would like to stay in my bed and sleep, you know? Um, Or if it's not laziness, it's unbelief. Like it's unbelief that investing my time in opening my Bible is really going to have any kind of effect on my life. Right. I think it's not believing that the word is living and active and able to make me like Jesus. And so, and, and I think the laziness comes into like, it does take time, like we talked about a minute ago. Um, mm-hmm. So I think a lot of our excuses really can be boiled down to those two things. And that's a hard thing to come to grips with. Um, but I think if we were, if we're telling the truth to ourselves, we can probably say, I'm either lazy or I just don't believe in the value of it enough. Um, to open my Bible and read, to sit and pray and do nothing else, to make sure that I am meeting with fellow believers who are going to help me stay on the path of faithfulness. But then there are also these seasons where it is legitimately hard, like when you're suffering, when you're going through a season of doubt, maybe, or your hands are full with kids, or you're a caretaker for an elderly parent, or you know when you're waiting for something, or maybe going through a spiritual dry spell. And here is where I think we really have to look at the way that Christians live. So Christians handle suffering and waiting and trying times differently than the world. We survive Mm -hmm. differently. So where the world might say, you lean away from those things that make you feel a little bit burdened. Like you're, you know, give yourself a break. You don't need to read your Bible every day. You're going through a tough time, you know, or you're just busy. The kids are little, just, you know, put it on the back burner until later. Christians don't survive that way. Like we survive attached to the vine of Christ. So we should lean more into the things that keep us attached to Jesus when times are hard. I mean, the problem is um, there's a great quote. I don't have it in front of me. It's by uh, Don Carson. And he talks about our proclivity to drifting away from Christ. We're in our flesh, always going to drift away from holiness, never towards it. And so when times are hard and we're going through a challenging season, I think the call for us is to hold fast all the more as we see the day of Christ approaching. So not less in the word, but maybe more. Now, maybe that looks different. Maybe it means that if you're, you know, you're up all night with an infant, it may mean that you have to pull out your Bible on your phone and just get five minutes here, five minutes there. You know, like there are seasons where it's going to look a little different, 
but Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And then he said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And if we're not attached to him by obeying his words and holding fast to his word, I mean, we're we're not going to bear fruit and grow. I just think it's it's actually more straightforward than we want to say. Yeah, definitely is. One thing I really appreciate that you bring up, you kind of address this just all the way throughout the book is really how God provides for our faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to hear you explain. I feel like I've gotten the benefit of going through this already. <laughs> I'm excited for other people to to pick this book up and read it, maybe read it on Kindle or whatever. But I think it's so important for us to understand how God works in us to help us avoid ditches like, you know, bootstrapping mm-hmm. it or feeling like we're doing this on our own in our own strength. Or the other ditch of laziness, like you've talked about, what is God doing in us that provides for our faithfulness? Right. So I always like to go to a passage in Hebrews, and I always want to lay the groundwork. And we have to go back to the gospel because when Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins, he paid for our sins. And I love that the gospel writers include the part where the the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, meaning that we have free access to the Father. We don't have to make sacrifices or go through priests. And Jesus is the way that we enter the presence of God. And so in in paying for our sins at the cross, that's not all he did. He gave us full access to the Father. And so if you go to Hebrews 10, the writer of Hebrews talks has actually been talking for 10 chapters about um, how Jesus is better than Moses and better than angels and how his sacrifice is the one sacrifice that covers our sins. And And so in light of that, you get to Hebrews 10, 19, and the writer says, therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest, also Jesus, over the house of God, let us, and he says, do three things, essentially, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So I really think drawing near to God uh, is referring to prayer here. And then the author says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So let's hold fast to the truth of scripture, to the gospel that we have been given um, because God is faithful. He has given it to us. He has saved us. He will finish the work he has started. And the way that he does that is through these things that he has given us. So then the author says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing drawing near all the more. I love that language. It's not the only time you see that in the New Testament. You see that repeatedly with the New Testament writers. So we're basically, the author of Hebrews is saying, Jesus made it possible for you to walk in faithfulness. And here's how you can do it. You pray, you draw near to God because you can, because Jesus made it possible. You can approach the throne boldly. And, um, and then he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Well, what is the confession of our hope? It is the gospel. It's the truth of scripture that God has given us. And we sit on this side of the gospel story with all of it in our hands. We multiple copies, collecting dust on the shelf, you know? Yep. And, then, <laughs> yeah. um, and then let us not neglect meeting together and let us stir up one another. So we're talking about community with the body of Christ. So we have the word or we have prayer, the word and the body of Christ as these like three really specific means 
to help us uh, stay on the path of faithfulness and to grow in godliness. So, you know, and Peter talks about, um, I think it's in Second Peter, I always get this confused, but he talks about God giving us everything we need for life and godliness. He's equipped us. Paul talks about it too. And I think sometimes when life gets challenging, we think we need something different, something new, something easier, something, um, you know, let me take a walk in the woods and I'll just feel, you know, good with God or something like that, you know, right. a little new right. AP, but you know what I mean? It's like something different. Let me just take a break. But actually we need these really old things. These are the things that God has given every believer. We also have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Like he lives in us in the, in the heart of every believer and he helps us to understand the word that we're studying and reading. He helps us to pray. He makes our prayers better. Mm-hmm. You know, he also dwells in every believer. So we have this ministry of his presence when we gather with the church. Just one of the reasons I so long to gather with my church again when this pandemic yeah. has passed. Yeah. Um, so these are like old practices that God has ordained to help us remain faithful to him. He knew it was what we would need. And so he made it possible for us through Jesus to have them. And so these are the things that the saints who have followed Jesus from the day he walked the earth until now have used to remain faithful to him. And so we're in a long line of believers who are yeah. you know, holding fast to our confession of hope, who are drawing near to God and who are not neglecting the body of Christ. Yeah. And you kind of hit on this, but the reality of the Christian life is that we don't always see you know, the results or the blessings of faithfulness right away, which means we have to hold fast to God's promises. Um, But there are, like we do move forward in faith knowing Mm -hmm. that God does bless faithfulness. He does, you know, reward those who diligently seek Mm -hmm. him and he rewards us with himself. But there are some other, you know, long-term and short-term blessings of faithfulness and perseverance. Can you share some of those and maybe also share with us just how God has shown himself faithful to you as you've pursued faithfulness in him? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the sweetest blessings of ordering your life around faithfulness to Jesus is intimacy with Jesus. You know, there are just some people that you meet and you know, oh my goodness, they walk closely with the Lord. And if you were to ask them, what, how do you have such a close relationship with Christ? I can pretty much guarantee you they're going to say, well, I love his word. I love his church and I love to pray. Like it's going to be those yeah. things. And, and they probably would also say it hasn't always been easy. And there are seasons right. where it's been hard to to pursue those things um, right. because we all go through dry spells. We all go through suffering and, and different things that are challenging, but that intimacy with Jesus is just the sweetest gift. And I think it's when you are turning your face to look at him every day, no matter what's going on in your life, you see how constant he is, how good he is, how his faithfulness to you and his faithfulness in uh, to God and how he, you know, died for our sins at the cross and, and, um, the way he and and God, the father provided for us to have, to be reconciled. When you see that faithfulness, it really does just undergird your faithfulness. I mean, our faithfulness to the Lord is absolutely hundred percent built upon his faithfulness. We cannot do it apart from him. And as we depend on him, I mean, I, I see the fear of legalism, you know, when we talk about mm-hmm. spiritual disciplines, when we talk about Bible reading, we talk about prayer and going to church, things like that. You can go that way. But I find yeah. that 
if you are really seeking the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, when you come to the word and when you come to your church to hear the word proclaimed and to fellowship with believers, when you really sit before the Lord and confess your sins and praise him for who he is and cast your anxieties on him, you see how desperate you are for him. It's not a bootstrap thing. It is a, I cannot get through this day without you. I am utterly dependent upon you because the more you come to the word, the more the word shines a light on your sin and your desperation and your neediness for him. But it also highlights God's faithfulness, just the bigness of his constant character and how he is faithful and he is good and he will 100% keep every promise he's ever made. So if you are in Christ, you will remain in Christ and he will see you through until you see him face to face. And I just think it's such a comfort to know, yes, I'm going to be obedient and hold fast to the things that he has given me, but have great confidence. Even when I'm struggling, have great confidence. He is not going to abandon me. He is going to finish what he has started because he who called you is faithful. Just really love that. Amen. My goodness. Yes. (laughs) At the end of every chapter, you have in this book, you share a story of someone else and their faithfulness. Is there one that, um, just other than Leota, which I love <laughs> her story, I just, I can't get over that image in my mind of of just knowing Jesus that long mm-hmm. and pursuing him wholeheartedly so long. But is there another story that just really sticks out to you that you kind of are excited to meet that person in heaven, perhaps, mm-hmm. or just, yeah, somebody who has ministered so much grace to your heart through their story of faithfulness? Yeah. So each of the women in the book that I highlight are women I have known personally. And so some of them I am related to, and some of them I am related to through Jesus. Mm -hmm. There uh, are two that are now with the Lord and one of them recently gone to be with the Lord. Um, And so this was chapter six, I believe, Faithful When You're Suffering. And the woman that I wrote about at the end of that chapter, her name was Brooke. Brooke Turner was her name. And Mm -hmm. she, when I met Brooke, it's been maybe four years ago. We were at a writer's conference and she had just finished her second round of chemo for stage four breast cancer. And she was in her thirties. She had four or three little children and a husband at home. And she was just such a breath of fresh air. She had already been through such a hard time with cancer and recurring cancer and to be so young and just such a bright light with the Lord. And so, um, we kept in touch after meeting and mm-hmm. talked somewhat regularly. And I just watched her life unfold. She just continued to struggle with cancer. She would have some months go by where things were okay. And then months would go by where it was harder and she had bad scans. And, um, yeah. but she nevertheless, I mean, she grieved her circumstances because she was afraid of leaving her children, you know, as being so young. And she grieved her circumstances, but my goodness, she held so fast to the faithfulness of God. And she spent every spare moment in her Bible, on her knees, at church as often as her illness allowed her to. And I just don't know that I've ever seen anyone walk through suffering with such profound trust in the Lord's care for them. And she knew the ending was probably not going to be good. And uh, man, she was in her third round of chemo. And her husband was tragically killed in a cycling Mm -hmm. accident. It was a hit and run. And I just remember the day I woke up to that news, I I started crying. I was like, Lord, this is too much. 
mean, yeah. this is Job all over again. Yeah. And I, I, I remember listening to her talk about it and reading things that she wrote. And I thought, this is like an unearthly type of faithfulness that she has. Like, this is yeah. the Lord's providing special grace and mercy to her in profound suffering. And um, I asked her, uh, right, a few months after her husband passed away, I was in the middle of writing this manuscript and I asked her permission to write about this. And she said, yeah, that I would love that. Actually, no, I had asked her before her husband died just to talk about mm. her cancer. And she said, yes. And so then I didn't talk to her about it because it felt callous to bring that up after her husband passed away. So about six months after her husband passed away, she was not doing well. And I was done with my manuscript and I wanted to have her uh, full approval before I submitted it. And I sent that section to her and we just had such a good talk about mm. the timing. And she had been specifically just looking for some encouragement that day. She'd been really discouraged. And we made plans to meet up at a conference a week after the book is published. Um, but she passed away about a month after um, we made those plans. And she is now with Christ in I, I was so surprised when she passed away and I really struggled with, um, Lord, she, I don't know of anyone who has suffered as deeply as she has or who has loved you as much as she has. And yet I look at the impact that her faithfulness has had on a lot of people and the impact it will have on her children. And yeah. I know that the Lord is still good. And she would say, he is still good. He is still sovereign. He is still kind. And I just, it was, it, you know, it was hard to, to know um, the book will come out and she won't have seen the finished product. And, and you won't know when you read the book that she has already passed away because um, she passed away after the manuscript had been uh, finished. Um, but I think about her often just because I, I can't think of anyone who had more excuses, you know? physically yeah, ill, so much bodily pain, so much chemotherapy and surgeries and, and to lose your spouse who was your, your rock during your physical suffering. She just had a determination that, you know what, Jesus is all she has and Jesus is all she needs. And I just, I, I wish people knew her. I know there are so many people who knew her better than I did, but I will always be impacted by her faithfulness. And yeah. what it said about the God that she loved and the Savior that she served. He was worth everything. Absolutely. I I didn't know her. I never got to know her personally. But she's someone that I admired from afar for quite a long time. Just started to kind of get to know her story before her husband had passed away in that accident. And just followed along throughout the rest of her process of facing cancer and everything. And it, honestly, I, I would love to attest as well that, you know, the scriptures were her lifeline. Mm -hmm. And that is a gift that she continues to give to the church and to her children. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to include stories of everyday faithfulness just from regular people in, in my book is that I think it's good for us to see what ordinary faithfulness looks like in other people. The stories are good for us. And we have so many biblical examples that we can go to again and again to see what, what it looked like to follow Christ, you know, right after he, his resurrection, you know, to, in that first yeah. century church. Um, and then I think sometimes we look at our lives in the 21st century and we think, well, I'm not living in the first century church. How do I how do I live out the kind of faithfulness that James is talking about? How do I live out the kind of faithfulness that Peter is talking about? 
And that's where the church is a real gift because we can look around us and we can see regular people with regular jobs, with regular homes who are walking in obedience because Jesus is their entire life. And we should be encouraged by that. We should be sharpened by that. I really think that um, it's good for us to stop and take note of how the Lord is faithful to people and how they can be faithful to him because of what he's done. Yeah, it just is encouraging to me to, and again, as a pastor's wife, I get to see that a lot. And that just stirs my heart with so much affection for Christ. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Before we close, I would love to ask you the question I ask everyone, and that is share with us what the Lord has been using in your life lately to encourage you in your walk with him. Mm. I mean, I don't have anything fancy or new to say in <laughs> answer to this question. Really? Uh, really, yeah, because I've been at home for 50 days. <laughs> so, right. um, you know, this is the season of cancel everything. Um, I have found what has been inc- most encouraging to me is the same thing that has sustained me through every trial, every dry spell, every difficult season. And that has been getting up in the morning making the coffee, obviously, but mm-hmm. sitting down on my couch and opening up the word and just saying, Lord, who are you? You know, tell me again, help me remember mm-hmm. who you are and who I am and what you've done for me. And I mean, just those rhythms of coming to the Lord again and again are just the anchor for my soul so much. So. Amen. Absolutely. Thank you so much, friend, for being here and for sharing this with us. I've I feel like it is such an enormous privilege to get to call you my friend, but also to share this with our listeners and praying that this will be a blessing to the Women Encouraged community because it is worth the hard work. It is worth doing the the tilling and the growing and the um, the seasons of waiting for God to work. It is all worth it. Um, and you encourage me in my Christian life because I need friends. I need you know, we need faithful believers in our lives to um, just remind us that God is good and he's sovereign and and he's kind. And we all need that. We need to hear that from each other. I love that. And I feel the same way about you. And I, I just Aww. love the way that the Lord connects us. And, um, and I just am so thankful that, you know, we can invest in our faithfulness and be so confident that he is pleased for us to grow. He is pleased. Amen to supply everything we need. It's not like he's got his arms crossed and angrily waiting for us to come to him. No, he is the father looking and waiting for us. He is always there and always present, always near, always good. And so, amen. Yeah. Love that. Thanks again for being here. You can find Glenna online at glennamarshall.com on Facebook under that name and on Instagram at Glenna D. Marshall. You can also find us on social media as well by searching for Women Encouraged on Facebook and at Women Encouraged on Instagram. As we prepare to send this episode out, we find ourselves in the midst of international tension and grief over COVID, government-imposed restrictions, and in the U.S., there's suffering related to wicked injustice and a national crisis displayed in cities all over the country. I believe, though, this is not a time to hide from faithfulness or to set it aside for a better day. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, this is our hope. And we live out the gospel in community with God's people, and we extend this hope to the world around us. Psalm 1 gives us a clear picture of the person who delights in God's ways, meditating on his law day and night. 
The psalmist says he is rooted like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God has planned for your sanctification. He has prepared you for it and it for you, and his design and desire is that you grow in faithfulness to him and to his word. This faithfulness will shape everything you do, and it will overflow to change the people in your home and in the world around you. So come, friend, and persevere, knowing the stream that you've been planted by will supply you with everything you need to bear fruit in the Christian life.